Hey, everybody, it's TV host and entrepreneur Kristen Aldridge, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Life After the Crown podcast, where each episode I bring you useful interviews with former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who are now succeeding across many different industries in the real world. My name is Tim Tialdo, lifestyle entrepreneur, pageant host, author, and quite honestly, somebody who just wants to help you become a better person overall. Now, if pageant life is over for you, or it soon could be, and you're wondering, well, what do I do now, or what's next? This podcast is designed to help make the transition to real life and the school of hard knocks a little bit easier for you to handle. So if this is your first time listening, thanks for tuning in. We're glad you're with us today. Let's get started. My guest today has more than a decade of experience working in media for ABC, CBS, Yahoo, CNN, Shape, and ESPN as an Emmy-winning journalist, TV host, anchor, reporter, producer, writer, and content creator. Yeah, she's done it all. During that time, she interviewed some of the world's most influential people, everybody from Ryan Reynolds to Anthony Hopkins. She's also covered just about every star-studded event, including the Golden Globes, the Grammys, the Emmys, and the Oscars, where she had the honor of being co-host for the National Red Carpet Pre-Show on ABC. She has a passion for capturing compelling stories that ignite inspiration and create powerful change. She is the co-founder and CEO of Luminate, a digital media platform and global community of luminaries, leaders, and influencers shining a light on the way we work, lead, live, and love. Currently, she is the creator, director, and producer and host of Project Luminary, a new original series in partnership with Entrepreneur and Facebook Watch that explores the power of the human spirit and what it takes to achieve the extraordinary. Honored that she would take the time to stop by the podcast. Kristen Aldridge, appreciate you coming on today. Oh my gosh, Tim, thank you so much for that amazing intro. I'm seriously so honored to be on your show. Thank you for inviting me. Well, it's my pleasure, and you've certainly earned it. I think we all have seen your face uh, here and there, and as, as we mentioned there on the red carpet pre-show for ABC, I know I saw you a couple of times on there. So um, besides your broadcast career that we will jump into here, for those listening who are in the pageant world, uh, you actually were uh, in a pageant, Missed Westwood, USA in California. Can you tell us about it? Oh my gosh, that's so funny you brought up that up. That was so, so long ago. And you do your research because I don't even know where you <laughs> I found dug it that. Way up. <laughs> I dug it way out of the archives. I love it. You know, I've always just loved uh, Miss USA organization, Miss America. I just think they promote such, you know, girl bosses everywhere. And so I've always, you know, been watching it on TV since forever. So I thought one time when I was in my early 20s that I would actually try and go for it, and I failed miserably. Um, I found that I was an extremely hard worker, and I had a lot of determination, but not a lot of coordination and grace <laughs> when it comes to walking in an evening gown on stage. I remember um, when we were rehearsing for Miss California, we had to do this like group dance. And I am just, I'm the worst dancer. And my arm was going up when everyone's arms were down. And I remember like tearing up and feeling so embarrassed. <laughs> so it was, it was an awesome opportunity to be involved with. But yeah, I failed miserably. So that was like a one-time thing. <laughs> well, hey, as long as uh, apparently you can walk a red carpet and hold a mic and talk, I think you're going to do just fine. That's true. That's true. Many years of practicing with the hairbrush finally turned into a real <laughs> microphone. So that I'm thankful 
still did work. <laughs> well, very cool. Well, that's a little bit of your pageant journey. And uh, again, I love what you're doing with Luminate. We're going to talk a lot about that later in the podcast here. Uh, but before we Thank do, I, I know a lot of the women listening, um, they aspire to do what you have done in TV, and that is hosting. And I was hoping that maybe you could start off by sharing a little bit of your hosting journey, kind of where it started uh, and the path that it led you on. Ah, oh, thank you. That's so awesome. Yeah, you know, um, similar to you, Tim, we were talking a little bit before uh, this podcast on the phone. I saw entertainment tonight when I was young, and I was like, that's it. That's yep. all I want to do. I think I was maybe 12, 13, and so I was just laser focused into that's what I want to make happen. And so I majored in broadcast journalism at a private Catholic university in Minnesota, where I'm from, called uh, University of St. Thomas. And it's funny because, you know, two years into it, of course, with a, with a four-year university, you have to take all of these generals. And, you know, I was paying my way through it with like four jobs and having to pay all this money for science and Spanish and all these classes that at the time I didn't think mattered at all because I knew all I wanted to do was broadcasting. And funny enough, in Minneapolis, I actually heard of this amazing convention and they play you this video that you're going to get discovered Apparently, Ashton Kutcher and Sean William Scott and Katie Holmes all went to it. It's called IMTA, mm -hmm. um, if anyone out there has heard of it. So I got roped into let's, you know, pay $5,000 and go out to New York and showcase in front of all of these agents and get discovered, right? Like, they really make you feel like you're going to be a star if you go to this convention. <laughs> And um, truthfully, you know, looking back on it, it was a, re a very expensive opportunity, but they really did bring, you know, really legit agents there from the industry. And it really got my foot in my door. If anything, it just got me really, really excited. So I actually left three years out of college. I didn't graduate at the time. And I said, I'm going to go out to Hollywood. So I was 20 years old. Uh, my mom and dad were actually um, owned their own plumbing company in Minnesota. So they were like, who is this girl? They thought I was going to take over their plumbing business one day. And I thought, you know, I want to go to Hollywood. And I didn't know anyone. I took my dad's red pickup truck and packed up all my gear and left school and made the drive out to L.A. and did what a lot of us do. You know, got there, didn't have any money, no connections, um, got a little studio apartment with a girl that I'd gone to the convention with and started waitressing at the Elephant Bar. If anyone's been to Burbank, oh, I yeah. think it's still there. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> This was a long time ago, um, and I just, you know, started going for it. And at the time, you know, gosh, embarrassing enough to say this was like probably 18 years ago now. There, the one amazing thing about coming to L.A. is there's so much going on. Like you can do acting, modeling, print work, you know, commercials, hosting. And so at the time, I was just trying to go for everything. Um, but what can happen is, and of course, all of it was, you know, free stuff or you get paid 50 bucks for a 10 hour workday, but you're so excited <laughs> to be there. I remember like my first job that I got in LA that I was so pumped about. I did a phase four orthotics commercial. Oh yeah. And they use, they used my real name. They said, Kristen Aldridge waitress. And I had to do some scenes where my feet really hurt. And I was like, Oh God, can't believe this phase four orthotics really works. I swear they still played that like five years ago. I still saw it on TV. <laughs> so <laughs> That's a whole nother story. Be careful um, what you say yes to because they will play it for years. But anyways, I found that, you know, I had a really late start because I was 
trying to do all these things, but it was almost like I wasn't focused. You can really spend, you know, you can be a professional auditioner in LA and without a plan and without a focus, years can go by without a lot of progress, truthfully. So I really got my big break when I decided um, after a couple of years in LA and, you know, I got some breaks here and there. I was doing, you know, red, learning how to do red carpets and, and some free opportunities for some various, you know, smaller media outlets. But I was told the advice um, from a couple of people that I really trusted that said you should really try to cut your teeth um, locally first because you really learn so much. So I actually went back to Minneapolis and got my first job as a reporter for the local NBC station there. And that's where I really learned um you know, learning how to write and produce and lug cameras and, you know, do everything that you need to learn. And funny enough, that opportunity actually came from, I think so many of you listening, and I'm sure the same is true for you, Tim, is that so many of the opportunities that we're given are usually because we end up creating them. Mm -hmm. Very few stories of successful people you hear that, you know, some of them, yes, they were just given this lucky break, but usually it came from, you know, the saying, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. So in Minneapolis, I had actually started as a writer for an entertainment site, and I really, really wanted to be on camera. So I ended up shooting a bunch of little pilots. Um, I found a camera operator on Craigslist and um, ended up putting together five or six little segments and dropped it on the news director's desk and he loved it. And then the next thing you knew, I was doing, you know, little segments on the news. I think they paid me $25, but I was on the news and I was learning and it was all from just really having, having the determination to just create it and do it because this business, there's a ton of rejection. Um, and so the more that you can try to put into your own hands, the hustle never stops, no matter how experienced you get, you're always hustling. Um, so yeah, so that's really how I got my start was being an entertainment reporter locally in Minneapolis. And then, um, that moved on to various other, I think my first really big job was for ESPN and how I got that was you know, in Minneapolis, I was still, you know, I was on Craigslist, I was on breakdowns, I was trying to figure out, you know, where the auditions were happening. And I had a local agent in Chicago, and they were looking at um, hosts in LA, New York, and Chicago for a new series for ESPN. And I, it was about college football, I knew nothing about college football, <laughs> my knowledge about sports in general is just pretty shocking. <laughs> but you know, um, I always like to say faith it till you make it. Um, some people say fake it till you make it, but I really believe faith it till you make it. So I jumped on a greyhound. Uh, that's a whole nother story of the horribleness of things that happened on the greyhound. But I <laughs> went on a greyhound and auditioned in Chicago and somehow I got this crazy job um, and started working for ESPN and started traveling all around the U.S. covering uh, the craziness of college football. Fortunately, it was a little bit more of the revelries and rivalries of college football. So it was more about the tailgating and the fun versus X's, X's and O's and sideline reporting. So, gosh, I feel like I'm talking your ear off. I know. No, that was really good. Now, that show podcast, was called but... it was called Road Trip, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. the funny thing that you say that is I think a lot of people who get into hosting, they, you know, game day for years has always been like the, the gold standard of, oh, if I could get on game day, it looks like so much fun. We visit college campuses on Saturdays and talk about football. We have people around. 
and you got to do something similar. Um, obviously, you weren't you know with you know, Kirk Herb Street and Lee, Lee Corso, but you were doing stuff that I would imagine was a lot of fun. It, it really was. I'm so glad you said that because absolutely, for someone that you know wasn't initially a college football fan, going to all of these games, I just fell in love with it. I mean, going to a Penn State whiteout where you see 110,000 people all wearing white and cheering, you know, for their team is really, really cool. And it almost was really good that I didn't realize the magnitude of the stuff that I got to do because I was like riding the Sooner Schooner out in the middle of the field, firing off Smokey the Cannon, like doing all of these things that super fans would totally just die to do. Uh, So I was really, really lucky to be um, involved. And, you know, we went to really the biggest of the biggest games and got to just do all the fun stuff on the field and, um, it, it, it was a total blast. It was honestly a total blast. And through it all, there still was this dream of like, this is really awesome. But it, it almost got to a point where we felt guilty of this is our job <laughs> of just hanging out at tailgates and <laughs> drinking beer and having fun. And I am definitely, um, you know, that, that little voice of like, but wait, what about, you know, Mary Hart and your dream of entertainment tonight? So I really wanted to be careful about not being branded in the sports world, even though I was having a blast because my true love was always entertainment. So the funny thing was, is during, you know, the ESPN show, I had for years been sending out my stuff to agents. And at the time I still didn't have, you know, any sort of Hollywood agent. And um, I'd been sending letters to, you know, ICM, CAA, UTA, all the big agencies, never, of course, in a million years thinking that anyone would actually call. And for 10 years before that, I would get, you know, the little letter in the mail that they spit out. That's just kind of a generic letter saying, thank you so much for your submission, but no, thank you. We don't want to represent you. But of course, we've all gotten in a really professional way, of course. So funny enough, and, and this is where I really want to stress, like, um, keep at it because I've been getting rejection letters for, for literally 10 years before that. And, you never know who's holding on to your stuff or who's thinking about you. It doesn't always happen on our timeline because I truly believe that when you're ready for it, it will come and there's a reason why you're not getting the opportunities that you want, um, which you'll understand later. But it's, it's really hard to understand that when you're, when you're in it because this business can be so much rejection on a daily basis. We're constantly getting rejected. And I think because it's hosting, it's so personal, right? Because, you're rejecting me. You're basically saying I'm not good enough. It's like, oh, it's, it's different than saying, oh, your writing's not good or maybe your math's not good or whatever it is. You're basically saying you don't like my personality. That's me. And so I think that's why, I mean, anything in the entertainment industry is hard, but hosting especially, um, you know, it can really, it can really play with your emotions and, and make you feel like you're not good enough. But know that no matter how much rejection you're getting, you never know who you're influencing out there and to keep at it. So perfect example was, uh, you know, I was still living in Minnesota at the time. I got this call from a junior agent at ICM that said, we, someone passed your package down to us and Yahoo is looking for a new host for an entertainment series. It's a daily show. We don't represent anyone like you, but we sent them your stuff. At the time, my reel was just, you know, stuff that I had put together from the local Minneapolis station that um, I had been doing. And 
I had launched my own um, entertainment platform at the time as well after ESPN called Positively Celebrity because I really wanted to brand myself more into the entertainment space. So that can be a whole nother conversation we can have about the importance of branding and really just putting out to the, to the marketplace, exactly what you want to be doing, just create a website and claim it, say that you're an expert, um, and then work really hard to become that expert. Um, so I had this website called positively celebrity. That was a positive take on, on positive news, um, celebrity news. And so anyways, so they had seen that. And (laughs) so randomly I got, you know, called in from Minnesota from a package that I had sent years ago that just got passed down to the right people. And next thing I knew, I was moving back out to L.A. to start this new daily Yahoo entertainment show. And that really was, I think, such an incredible opportunity that I'm so grateful for because that really put me on the road to to the journey in, in hosting in L.A. Well, let's talk a little bit about that job. Now, you kind of consider yourself what's, you know, I guess, quote, a pop culture junkie. And that's where I think what they passed down to Yahoo probably came from. Now, this was back when Yahoo was still a very big deal. It's kind of since fallen off the cliff. Yeah. The show was called yeah. OMG Now, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it was right off the boom. This was 2011 where, um, you know, they were starting this whole push into original video series. They had just launched their new Yahoo screen platform. So they had all these some pretty big celebrities doing shows for them. They probably had like probably a dozen or so various series, daytime and no time, prime time and no time. Oh, you know, Nikki um, Boyer? Yes. Oh my God. Nikki, yeah. shout out. Old friend. Old I friend. Love she's, Nikki. She's, she was yes. hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I remember Nikki's both of you. Amazing. And then I think uh, Michael, was it Michael Yo? He was doing something as Michael well. Michael Yo. Yep. Yeah. He had the Yo show. Totally. So, and it was always kind of a bummer because I would shoot earliest in the morning. So it's so funny because I would always pass Nikki in the hallway. I'd be on my way out and she'd be on her way in for the day. And so we never, um, we actually grew a really great friendship later on after Yahoo because it just, we never really were in the same place at the same time, but I love her. She's one of the most talented, (laughs) kindest souls. She's awesome. Shout out to Nikki. Uh, yeah, so um, it, it really was during this this time of the boom. And it was a perfect entry job for me because it, it was very little heavy lifting. Um, you know, it was a daily show, but it was green screen, teleprompter. Um, you know, the show was only three minutes long, so it was very easy to shoot. It was like a half-day shoot. Um, the, some of the nicest people, um, but with it, I got to cover all these major award shows like the Oscars and the Grammys and the Emmys. We went to Sundance. It was awesome. And so it's just really to hone your skills on, you know, helping with writing and, um, you know, being able to totally nail the teleprompter and, and do something that's in a little bit lower pressure environment. Cause I hadn't done a ton of live TV uh, or writing and producing before that other than my news experience. So it was, it was a really great job just to really get really good. But at the same time, it was also my first experience hosting anything online and man, the haters can be <laughs> horrible. We, I mean, granted, we would be on the front page of Yahoo, so we would get sometimes 7 million hits on our video. Yeah, no pressure there, people, right? Totally. It was back when people still went to Yahoo.com to like get, to get their news. <laughs> way back when. <laughs> as their home base, way back when. So we'd be right front and center um, every single morning. And of course, you can, you know, it's like anyone. You can have a thousand really nice comments and one really mean one, but you're going to focus on the mean one, right? But I would just get 
horrible, horrible comments of people being like, I want to kill you or (laughs) some really, really graphic of, I remember it was, and it was hard, you know, I was in my early twenties and it was something that I had never experienced before. And so I just remember like it would affect me so much and I would go home and I would just cry about it and say like, why do, why do these people hate me and say such, such horrible things? And that's when I realized, you know, at some point it, it's all part. You, they always say when you have haters, you know, you've made it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I always, you know, I always think too, there's, you know, there's, there's some people out there that maybe I don't totally love their work, but I would never in a million years write anything horrible about them. So I just think it, you have to realize it's usually not about you. Um, it's usually about whatever journey they're trying to go through on their end. So I decided to look at it as treating them with compassion and love rather than having it really affect me because you just can't. So for anyone listening that's out there, that's, you know, doing things. And I'm sure, you know, we've all experienced it, right. Um, to just know that it's not coming from a place of truth and, and certainly anything that's constructive, you can always listen to if it, if it comes with something that you're like, Oh, you know what? You're right. Like they're right. I can, I can always work on that. Um, but when it comes to just the hateful comments, you just kind of have to ignore and keep rocking it out. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, the fact that you say that, I mean, that, that was back when the internet um, and, and, you know, Yahoo and all those were really getting going and things were like the OMG now and daytime and no time were really starting to get going. It was kind of the genesis of that beginning time when people started to say, oh, I can say bad things about people and I don't have to answer to anybody. And now you see it today in the political arena. It's just gotten worse and worse. But, yeah, I think getting into media in general today um, is so much harder for that very fact that you're putting yourself out there not only to be judged, but to, in, in many cases, just be beaten down. So true. Yeah, so true. It, it is a lot harder today. Absolutely. I agree. Now, I read about um, another job that you got. Um, and I, I, I thought the back channel was really interesting. I guess it was the founder of Leo DiCaprio's production company spotted you and uh, hired you as to host something called AT&T's U-verse Buzz. Talk about that. Yeah, so that was actually, um, I had forgotten about that. Wow, <laughs> you were amazing with research. That's my journalism <laughs> That was actually background. before, I love it, you're amazing. Uh, that was actually before Yahoo. It was before I moved back to Minnesota. Um, awesome. That was probably my first real like taste of what a successful hosting career could look like. It was um, a series where I got to cover Mercedes-Benz Swim Week. So we'd go to Fashion Week and interview all the designers. And uh, we were in Miami. So it was awesome. Um, and really, really nice people, really supportive people. It was it was like a week shoot. Um, but it was, yeah, it was kind of the first taste of like, Ooh, this is what, if I could work, if I could just do this and work all the time, (laughs) that would be amazing. Yeah. It was an incredible opportunity for sure. Now you've done some side things in addition to hosting. I know you've done some big commercial campaigns over the years, Bud Light, Mercedes Benz, K-Swiss. I even found out that you were an old Baxham hometown hottie. (laughs) Oh my God. You're so embarrassing me right now. Do they even still do those? I don't think they do. So I, I remember ago. them, but yeah, it was so long I ago. Think we, we can just take that off my resume, honestly. <laughs> it's <laughs> on the so. internet, so you're totally screwed in that regard. It's on the internet. I know. And you know what's so funny? 
do not ever give IMDb your birth date because they will not take it down. And when you get older, when you get into your late thirties, you're going to really wish that wasn't there nice. anymore. Nice. I have, I have tried to reach out and say, you know, age discrimination. No, they don't care. They're like, it's with us forever. The internet is amazing. <laughs> well, I want to talk about the one thing that we, we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, and that is uh, you did the national red carpet pre-show on ABC. Now, Obviously, going from, you know, Minneapolis to OMG now and then doing, you know, a major national network red carpet show. I mean, you've graduated through the levels. Talk about how you got uh, to that job. So um, great question. Um, And it it, it was an incredible honor. Um, I always love covering the Oscars because it's just the ultimate. I mean, it's the ultimate dream. It's everything that I got into this industry for. I love pop culture and and it's the side of, of entertainment that I love. I think the hard part about pop culture is a lot of it is, has become so tabloid and so much of it really builds people up just to tear them down. And I never liked that aspect of the pop culture industry of whether it was talking about some outfit someone was wearing. It's like, I got into it because I just loved the art of storytelling and movies, especially I just love, I'm a big movie buff. I, I watch them all the time. And so being there, seeing all these people that, you know, how much work goes into creating a movie and, and how much talent. And I just love that. So after I had been working with Yahoo, um, I went on to be a correspondent for the insider for a year. And then I just, Truthfully, I started feeling like, you know, you get a little older and and you have experiences. I just started feeling like I wanted to maybe do a pivot into um, more news and have some more experience doing live. And I really wanted to lead a show. So that actually brought me to um, ABC Los Angeles locally for KABC. Um, They were having a new position looking for a social media reporter who would also cover some entertainment stuff, but it was a great way for me to be able to talk about a variety of things. So basically whatever was trending. So in the position, you know, I'd come in at 1.30 in the morning and have to write and produce all of my own segments, but it really was looking at what all the trending news was. Uh, But with that came awesome events like the Oscars. So we had a pre-show with George Pinocchio, who I adore. He's one of the nicest people. He's been with ABC for, Mm -hmm. gosh, I I don't even know how long, but just one of the kindest, most hardworking, lovely people. Um, So he was, you know, our co-host. And we also had Rashumba, who's a supermodel and this awesome celebrity photographer who also is just the kindest soul. His name is Yusai. So it was the three of us and we were up on the podium and, you know, got to watch the, all the action happening below. And it's, it's just awesome. And I love, I found to really, really love live TV. It scares the crap out of me every time. And I don't <laughs> think that feeling will ever go away even after 10 years now of doing live, but there's just something about it that just brings an added excitement. Um, I love that you just, you, you need to be on your A game. So it just brings kind of, it makes you step up, you know, it makes you step up to the plate and yeah, it's just, it's an, it was an awesome opportunity that I'm super grateful for. Yeah. And I think, look, if you don't have butterflies and you're going live, whether it be just in front of a live audience or on camera, I mean, you're, you're probably not in the game there. I mean, you almost need to have butterflies in order to feel aggressively prepared. Totally. And yeah, I think you, you totally said it perfectly. I think 
it's, it's almost like you have to look at those butterflies as a good thing because that means you're excited about it and you know like the magnitude of what it is that you're about to do. Um, and because you care, I think the trick is learning how to really manage that because early in my career, it was debilitating. And there were so many auditions that, you know, because that anxiety came up or that fear or whatever it is, that little voice in the back of your head saying like, ah, you're not good enough. Like you're going to screw this up. <laughs> I think it's like figuring out a way to really make those butterflies work for you. And that truthfully took a long time. What I've started to do now that really helps me um, is getting into more like visualization and meditation. So now before any live shoot, because the problem is a lot of times, and this was even true for the Oscars. It's so crazy. It's like you're rushing through makeup, you're rushing to get on the red carpet. And then there's all these like camera changes and script changes. And you can start to really feel anxious and you can bring all of that anxiety into your performance. And so one thing that I always try to do, even if it's just 30 seconds is to, I'll just tell everyone like Kristen is going to go into her like zone time and I will just disappear even if it's for 30 seconds, close my eyes and just visualize exactly how I want things to go. I will do some, you know, breathing techniques. Um, I'll try to meditate and just be still because when you can come at it with that calmness, um, it makes a world of difference. I'll never forget. This actually reminds me of one of my most horrible experiences live on air. Some of you may have even seen it and wondering what the <laughs> hell is going on. <laughs> and it, it, it really speaks to making sure you never go on air, like really flustered and bringing that energy. So when I was working with ABC, we were, I was about ready to do my segment. Something changed. There was some breaking news. So I'm in the newsroom trying to make changes to my story, not realizing that, you know, how fast time is going. All of a sudden, producers start yelling at me like, Kristen, you're on in 30 seconds. I'm like, holy crap, I'm not even in the studio yet. I don't even have my IFB on. I'm not mic'd up. So I'm like sprinting through the newsroom to go into the studio. And I see the two anchors, you know, practically introducing me as I'm fumbling to put on my IFB. And um, they tossed to me and I should have said, I should have just, sometimes it's better just to be honest and the yeah. more honest yeah. you are, especially live TV, because you shouldn't be perfect. That's not what it's about. And so in retrospect, I should have just said, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I just ran from the newsroom. I'm a little out of breath. But I was like, maybe I can hide it. You know, your mind is moving a mile a minute. And I started speaking, but I was so out of breath from running from the newsroom into the studio. <laughs> I started trying to talk and it was like, and then we have this. <laughs> of course, I had, I had no package to talk to. And it was like a three minute news segment. And so I'm just dying and trying to gasp breath it probably sounded like i was having a panic attack on air so that's a great thing for all of you yes it was horrible and and because i didn't acknowledge it it was almost worse it could have been a cute kind of funny moment had i just like owned up to it because we're not perfect and you know could have been very vulnerable but i was trying so hard to hide it and it didn't work and so yeah so now i'm just really careful every time i step on air like if you're feeling that flustered energy you're feeling anxious you're feeling really rushed just take 30 seconds close your eyes and just breathe and then go rock it out it I, would definitely help <laughs> it, it's such a great tip especially from a hosting standpoint because if you think about it i think some of the worst people who are offenders of that very thing are the old news anchors 
they're so used to being glued to a teleprompter that if they lose that, they completely are totally. lost and they don't know how to cover it. And they try to make it well, blah, 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 blah. and then they they're and everybody knows and they're acting like oh I've, I've got this and it's just it's a disaster. And so that's that's some great tips that you know for those of you listening, be authentic. If you screwed up, just admit it. Just people people will be like oh well at least she admitted it. You know totally totally yeah. Well, since we're talking about the hosting business. Um, you know, this podcast is really about helping girls in the pageant industry transition into, you know, the professional careers and lives that they want. As I mentioned to you before we had the, the call here, TV hosting or being a broadcast journalist is at the very top of that list when it comes to careers that, you know, the pageant industry women want to go into. So um, you've been in the industry probably almost as long as I have. Um, I wrote a book back in 2013 called Host Your Own TV Show. So I want to kind of break down where it's come from and where it is now um, so we can kind of give people totally. some some, uh, some insight as to, you know, how to approach this thing right now. So you got into it. I, I Let's see. I got into it. I started at Access Hollywood back in 2001. When did you kind of hit L.A. and get into the Yahoo job? Oh my gosh, so funny. So when I first moved out to LA, it was 2000, um, but okay. I didn't get the Yahoo job till 2011. So okay. it was a good 10 years of, yeah. Okay. 10 so, years to be an overnight success. <laughs> and, and back then, as you know, um, it was more about you need to go to the local news markets. You need to kind of uh, earn your keep, so to speak, then get an agent, and then maybe you can graduate to New York or L.A. and get some sort of job that will get you to the level that, you know, we're talking about Yahoo, ESPN, ABC, et cetera. Now totally. it's completely shifted. The agents kind of control the business. There's only, <laughs> what, a, a handful, maybe 10 or 12 out there that really seem to do all the shows, the Chris Harrisons, the Ryan Seacrest, the Steve Harveys out there. So from your standpoint of somebody who's been on national television, on national digital media, what is the best way right now for, especially from a female perspective, to approach the hosting industry? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, it's a huge question. It's, you know, it, it's tricky because I, I really truly believe that like if, if you work really hard and you believe that you should be doing what you love, you will get it. And everyone's story is totally different. I think the key is you just really have to believe. I'm a big manifester. I totally believe in putting things out into the universe and having vision boards and writing things down. Um, so I believe that, you know, everyone's journey is going to be different. But as far as just the nuts and bolts of the industry, yes, you're so right. It is so different. When we first started, I mean, there was hosting auditions a couple of times a week, sometimes even multiple times a day. You, you're just going for various, you know, 13 episode series or daily shows. It was, it was a huge time for hosting. It was a hosting boom. Yes. And then I don't know, I don't know if it was, I personally feel like it was reality TV it was. Um, early on where all of a sudden reality stars were becoming desirable hosts of shows. So then it was like, okay, if you were on a reality show, we don't care if you're really not qualified as far as you did broadcast journalism and you cut your teeth in local news. It was, oh, this person's a celebrity because they were on a reality show and then they can host. And then I think that transitioned into because, you know, everything on TV turned into um, whether it was a docuseries or a reality TV or a competition reality show, all of a sudden huge celebrities 
you know, like Jamie Foxx, let's get him to host the show. (laughs) So it's like the jobs that they used to, you know, really give to people who were really qualified and cut their teeth. Now all of a sudden we're going to big celebrities. And then a couple of years ago, I think we've really had this turn into YouTubers and Instagrammers, uh, influencers. Um, I can't tell you how many times that I have lost out on jobs because I don't have a big Instagram presence or enough followers. Um, YouTube creators have really been killing the game. Um, I've even seen, you know, a lot of YouTube stars get opportunities on the red carpet. And so I think like everyone's, everyone's journey is different. And no matter how you come at it, I think there's an opportunity for us all. It's just being smart about um, what you can do to increase your chances. Um, I've been really inspired just with Instagrammers and YouTubers for their knack of creating their own content because that's really hard and being able to do it on a regular basis and making it look so good oftentimes without huge production teams behind them. And so I'm just a big believer in you can really create whatever it is that you want to do just by putting it out yourself. And it's exactly why I had gotten Yahoo because I had kind of created my own website and claimed the space of saying, Hey, I'm a pop culture expert and I have contributors and, you know, here's this website that I'm managing. And of course it wasn't making me any money initially, but it got me, um, it got me established, um, as, as a pop culture expert. So the same thing is for anyone listening, um, to not be discouraged by the state of the industry. If you don't have a big following or, you know, you're not a celebrity from a reality show, there's still, I'm a firm believer and there's enough to go around for all of us. And it may be a little bit harder and we may have to hustle and work, work a little harder, but I would really recommend don't wait around for anyone to just hire you to go and do it yourself. So if you love sports, start a sports blog, brand your whole Instagram as a sports expert. Um, you know, whatever it is that you love to do, just claim ownership, um, especially because experts, I think, are really, really, for the last couple of years, um, if you look at the trends and even programming, it's like, oh, the real estate expert is going to get this show or the health fitness expert is going to be on this show. So figure out what your passion is and then, you know, claim that spot, create a website, create branding, um, everything around that. Because I also, I hear the other side of that and people say, well, yeah, but, you know, aren't I losing out on opportunities because I'm going down such a narrow niche? And I feel like if that's the one thing that you love to do, sometimes if you make it really confusing, the marketplace doesn't know how to hire you. So if you say, I'm a fitness, sports, entertainment, food (laughs) expert. (laughs) It's like, what? And trust me, we, of course, but we all want to do it because we're like, oh, but you know, I can do anything and I like all these things and I don't want to miss out on opportunities because I'm only going down, you know, this one lane. I, I think, I think like, yeah, I'm just a big believer in like really sitting with like, if you could get that one opportunity that you didn't even care if you got paid because you loved it so much pick whatever that is and just go all in and go for it because I promise you it'll get the attention of the right people and you'll have so much more progress than just trying to be everything to everyone. So, and and I think it's a great, it's, it's, it's a great time now, you know, with websites, websites like Squarespace and show it and Wix, like you can put up a really, really badass website for very little money and brand it yourself and, 
um, have good photos, make it look like a million bucks. And I think people will respond. I'm a big fan. I love branding and I love all of that. So I, I think that's been something that has really helped me throughout my, my journey for sure. Yeah, that's some awesome insight there. And definitely I, I want to share uh, because I did a ton of research on this for a year for my book. I want to kind of explain from your and my time when we started how it evolved and basically what the what the uh, the big players in the hosting industry told me evolved and what happened. So do you remember an agent by the name of Mark Turner? I know Mark Turner very well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's kind of a big player in the host agent industry. So I interviewed him for my book and we talked a lot about where things were going and how it had evolved and what he was looking for at the time. And this was 2013. But basically what they saw was this and you hit on it very well. About 2000, that's when reality shows started to become prominent. So if you remember the real world on MTV, that was kind of the original (laughs) real reality show. Then it evolved into Survivor. Then it was The Bachelor. Then it was American Idol. So those were kind of the big four that really started everything off. And people were watching, you know, we were talking like 25 to 30 million viewers. My buddy Aaron Berge was the second bachelor. He had an average of, I think, 26 million viewers, which you just don't get those types of numbers anymore because (laughs) there's so many things to watch anymore. But what they found, and when I I say they, I say the producers and the agents found, is that they could do a show or a production, you know, usually on a low end of reality shows, like 100000 an episode up to 300000 or, you know, if you get to the big shows, you're talking million-dollar budgets. But what they found is, you know, the hosts back in that day. So, you know, if we're looking back to those times, it was Carson on TRL, Nancy O'Dell and Mary Hart and uh, Jeff Probst. I mean, they were baking seven-figure paychecks, and people thought, TV hosting is the way to go. I want to make a lot of money, and I want to be on TV. <laughs> what they found sure. is they, they don't have to pay those people because if people have a – uh, an endearing personality and they're on a reality show and people just love them. They know they can hire them for a pretty entry-level uh, salary and get them on the show for a lot cheaper. And number two, those people have a passion for what they're already doing. You do, and you don't have to hire somebody to kind of fake like they know what they're talking about as the guide. They now just they have just somebody know. that, yeah, they, now they just yeah. have somebody they yeah. can hire. So they started kind of traveling down that road. And what it did is it, it really hurts the people, you know, like you and me at that time, who we had grown up thinking, I've got to be the on-camera talent. I've got to be able to read a teleprompter. I've got to be able to pilot a show like I know what I'm talking about. No longer was it, do I need to know what I'm talking about? Now it is, if you don't know what you're talking about, you're not going to get the job. So that brought down the amount of money, number one, that hosts were getting paid. And it also took away <laughs> sure. from, yeah, a lot of the people that were, you know, quote unquote, talking heads, they were in the box, you know, their hands are in the middle of their chest and they never moved from there. And they yeah. talked, to, you know, yeah. you know how it worked. Then social media so comes true. along. And now what they had was basically analytics. No, no, before you never had a way to measure the talent of a TV host. It was, let me look at their mm-hmm. resume tape. If I like it, I do. If I don't, I don't. Now, what they're doing is saying, well, what does the world think of this host or this potential you know, on-air talent? They can look at Facebook or Instagram and say, wow, they got 100,000 people that like watching them. They must have something to their personality, and they'll say that. Now, there's a lot of ways to manipulate that, manipulate that anymore, so they certainly look at it and go, well, I, got, I need to see them myself. But that's now kind of the measuring stick, as you have said. Um, and I think in many ways it's a good thing, but I, saw, I also think it's really hurt our business because the people that truly had the raw talent and the passion to want to do this, 
have now, in many t- in many ways, as you as you said, been cast aside on certain jobs just because they don't have the quote unquote analytics numbers to back it up, and so you get passed up for some Joe that's on YouTube that you know has a million views on a something he did that was funny, and so sure, it's 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 a sure. tougher business to operate in now because it's like if you don't operate by their measuring stick, which now potentially seems like to be followers, then you know that that's your resume, so to speak. Totally. No, and you, you totally nailed it. That's everything that we've been experiencing. But I still, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm crazy, but I still feel like, and, and you probably resonate with this, Tim, like even my style of hosting is very much like I loved the, you know, the Mary Hart, Nancy O'Dell, just mm-hmm. cadence and polish and professionalism, the, the voice, the, you know, just, just the whole cadence of it, I loved. And so I've always, you know, wanted to be more of that polished host because that, that's what I was always a fan of. But you're so right when you say, now they it's almost like they don't want that it's very personality driven like the less perfect and polished you are almost the better <laughs> yeah. and it, you know for i, I hate that up, but i get it totally like that's that's kind of what the trend is but at the same time i also want to say the more true you are to you just go with that because for me i've always that that's just kind of who I am and what I aspire and work has always come. It may not have always been on my timeline and as fast as I wanted or the certain opportunities that I wanted. But in retrospect, looking back, I got everything happens for a reason. And I know that's a cliche, but if if you really look at it, I, I think just do you because at the end of the day, no one else is you. And that's what you have that's different than anyone else. And so if you're not someone that's like this crazy YouTuber that wants to do all these tricks and jump off buildings and be super zany, if you're like, you know what, I'm a polished Nancy O'Dell and I love fashion and I love to be super classy, then just do you and trust that there is enough to go around and there will be something for you. Um, Because I just, I just don't think that that not being yourself, I think that's probably the biggest mistake that you can make no matter what the trend is. And I will back that up. I did talk to another agent who's big in the agent industry. He told me that it tends to go in cycles. So yeah, yeah right it now it is. It's, it's the wild yeah. personalities. It's the off the wall stuff. It's not polished or articulate in any way, shape or form. It will come <laughs> yes. back around to that. So, you know, like my equivalent in, in on the male side, I love Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe's a super, uh, super sharp awesome. I love and him. incredibly yeah. articulate and witty. Uh, but he's that polished approach. And again, there's not a lot of those guys out there. And so, you know, I've always tried to I like to model myself after him a little bit. Um, not not completely. I'm not going to do dirty jobs or anything. But I, I totally understand where you're coming from in that I think there is still a market and will be a bigger market for the polished articulate, um, just very uh, controlled host uh, that will come back around. Right. I totally agree. I totally agree. I love that. Okay. Well, so we've gone through our hosting careers. Um, Yours is much better than mine, by the way. Congratulations. No. Stop. No. (laughs) But I love the fact that we both, um, in many ways, took what we learned in the hosting industry. Um, And you, in particular, have become an entrepreneur. You started something called Luminate. You're the CEO and co-founder. And what I love about it more than anything, for those of you listening, is this is about positivity. 
in so many different ways. It's about inspiring people. It's about meeting people who are influencing and doing great things in this world. And I know that you've started many projects. One of them, uh, as, we, as we mentioned, is called Project Luminate on Facebook Watch. Talk about how this all came about for you and kind of what caused, I, I guess, the paradigm shift in your career. Thank you. Um, thank you for that. Um, yeah, it's, it's a project that is probably the scariest thing I've ever done. Um, <laughs> and yet it, it really means the most to me. Um, you know, I think, I think it just comes with, it's not even about getting older, right? It's just the purpose of our, our purpose on the planet for me is just about growth and experiences. And after 15 years in, you know, the hosting industry and seeing, you know, the changes in the hosting industry. And the hardest part for me was always in between jobs. It's where all the demons and the voices would come out saying, oh, yeah. you're never going to get another job. I'd be okay when I was in the job, but I would still, you know, self-sabotage and say like, oh God, they're going to find out, you know, I'm really not talented and I shouldn't be here. You know, those, those limiting beliefs and those voices that we just have to say like, hey, stop. They would come up every so often, you know, during a job. But when I was off of a job waiting for the next one, it would be so hard because waiting is just the worst. I mean, especially when you love what you do so much and every email you're like, Oh my God, is that my agent? Is that, is that an opportunity? (laughs) It's like, it's horrible. And one of the biggest things that I realized is the more you can put things into your own control, because when you're, when you're leaving it up to agents or producers or whatever it is, you feel really powerless. And it's really easy to make yourself feel like you're never going to get another job and you're not good enough. And why aren't you working? That's one thing that I hate about social media that I'm still struggling with and really trying to figure out how to make it a positive experience for myself and anyone that, um, you know, is connected to me is we're all in this crazy life together. And at the end of the day, we all have these fears. And no matter how successful someone seems, I guarantee you they're thinking the same thing. So I this think, is like a mirror. Um, you, you and I have a mirror of our mental thoughts when it comes to hosting. <laughs> it's so interesting to listen to. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the, you know, Instagram can be really inspiring and, and we all want to put our highlight reels on there. And again, I'm into the beauty of branding and aesthetics and having everything look like this perfect, beautiful board. But at the same time, it's like, we all know that everyone's just putting up their highlight reels and that's not real life. That's not true for anyone's stories. So the biggest thing that I wanted to do was one, find a way to put things a little bit more into my control. So it didn't feel like I was waiting for that next opportunity. And two, because after, after 15 years um, in the industry, I just started to feel a little bit of like, what is my purpose on this planet? Like, what, it, what is my, what will truly make me fulfilled? It's, it's not that I wasn't totally fulfilled with what I was doing, but I think it was a lot of the content I was talking about just didn't fill me up. Um, especially when I got more into the news side of things, it's a lot of really bad, really depressing news. Even pop culture, you know, on a lot of shows can be very, you know, like I said, knocking people down. And, and I just really wanted to find a portal to put out more positive things in the world. And I'd pitch it till I was blue in the face to my producers. And it's just not what sells. It's not what people click on. Unfortunately, a lot of the times it's what I clicked on. Um, so at the time, um, my amazing husband, um, he works as uh, a keynote speaker, typically and a consultant on uh, with uh, many like fortune 500 organizations on the future of work. He was looking to start a platform that was inspirational as well, something that after he 
you know, spoke to a group of people that they could come and have something that would follow up with his speech and be a part of the community. So we started thinking of, hey, how can we put our skills together and create something that fills us up, that we're passionate about, that just maybe might inspire someone else. So we came up with this idea called Luminate. Um, you can find it at justluminate.com. Um, our tagline is Ignite the Light Within. And essentially, it's all about igniting inspiration, connecting leaders, and empowering change. And we do that right now through inspirational articles and videos all on the topic of, we, we call it work while being in way of life, but essentially it's just how to live a life and a career that you love. Um, we take a big leader, leadership stance on wanting to spotlight purpose-driven leaders um, and all of the challenges that come up with that, whether it's limiting beliefs or negative self-talk or well-being, spirituality, meditation, all of these things that you need to really fill you up. Um, and so it took about a year and a half. I actually, um, I left ABC to start it. Um, so that was hard in and of itself because here I had this job that I thought was like my big dream job and realizing like, having these feelings of, I don't know if I'm meant for more or that this is my purpose, but also saying like, it's really scary after like having, I'm so grateful to have worked for all of these big networks. But then when you're launching something on your own, you're like, Oh my God, like it has to be as good as all of these <laughs> other networks. And you just can't compare yourself to that because it's like, of course, something that I'm starting from my living room is not going to be as established as Forbes.com. Like <laughs> it's just not. So it was dealing with a lot of, you know, there was days that I would just be on my couch being like, what am I doing? And like, is this even going to be good enough? And are people going to like it? Is anyone going to go to it? And the truth of the matter is, is like, and, and this is why I do really, really admire YouTubers and Instagrammers is because in the beginning, you're not going to get a lot of views. You're going to spend two weeks on a video that like you poured your heart into and you're going to get five views on YouTube and you're going to be like, oh my God, people hate it. No one's watching it. And the truth of the matter is you just can't give up because the number one thing I hear from any of my friends that have successful YouTube channels is you just have to keep at it. And when you say you're going to put out a video or an article on Tuesday, you're going to put it out, whether your mom is the only one that watches it. Um, that's, that's what it is. So we spent a year um, really building out this platform. Um, I decided that I wanted to start my own video series of, I've always been love of entrepreneurship. I mean, we are entrepreneurs in this business. You have to be. Um, so I decided, you know, I really wanted to spotlight other entrepreneurs and just this magical thing happened. And, and that's exactly kind of the theme of, of our interview thus far is like, you really can create, anything rather than waiting for someone else to give you a show that you can talk about entrepreneurs, create it yourself. And what happened is, you know, I put together this um, amazing production team and reached out to 10 people that I never in a million years thought would say yes, um, edited it all together and pitched it to Entrepreneur Magazine and they loved it. And they were like, this is awesome. We want to promote it on our, all of our social channels and on our website. And now it's grown into something that, you know, we hope to be able to shoot a couple of times a year and it's awesome because I get to have control over when I shoot it, who, who I want to interview, you know, it's everything that you're doing with this inspiring podcast. I just think that 
while, while the hosting industry is harder, I would say, to try to make it than it was 10 years ago, at the same time, there's, there's 10 times more opportunities to create your own content than, than there was, whether it's a, a podcast or, you know, your own talk show or YouTube channel or website, like what we're doing with Luminate. I think from that can grow so many more opportunities. And um, it's, been, it's been a wild ride. I, I always say I found in building this website, I really found my own light, which is the irony of like, here we are trying to like, trying to cause inspiration in others. And it, it's what brought me out of the darkness into the light. It really is because it was something I think it was just really about really believing in myself and believing in what I have to put out into the world and knowing that it's worthy, that I'm worthy and putting, taking, taking control of that, of saying like, I'm not going to wait till someone else makes me feel that way. I'm going to feel that way because we're good enough as we are exactly as we are right now. You don't need that validation from another network to say that you're worthy. Like you already are, whether you work for a network or not. So. And you hit the nail on the head. Interesting process. Yeah. Because you you had mentioned it. I think what YouTube in particular, and you, you can say Facebook and Instagram as well, it helped us to evolve when, from what I called the permission-based economy. When you and I worked in television in the 2000s, you had to have permission from everybody to be able to get on a TV or to totally. be a part of something. And you always feel you always felt like you had to answer to somebody with your ideas. I've got this idea. Well, I don't like it, so it's not going anywhere. Now, if you like it and you feel like you can make it happen, Luminate or Life After the Crown or whatever, we just do it. I'm sitting in my basement where it. we're talking and having an interview and we're putting it out <laughs> to the world and anybody can listen to it. And I think that's what's great about you know what you mentioned is that things have evolved to the point where you can now flex your creative muscles independently. You don't have to have a CEO's permission or a producer's or a news director's opinion say, yes, you're worthy. Now you are worthy. You know, it's, it's that whole, as you mentioned, Illuminate, just the people who are putting out good stuff because they believe in it. Absolutely. So yeah. tell me. It gets me so fired up. I yeah. know, when you go about choosing people that you, you tend to feature on you know, Project Illuminate or just on your website uh, to blog, what is it that you look for in people um, that you would consider, a, you know, I guess a quote unquote luminary? That's a, a really great question. You know, truthfully, for the first season, um, it really was, I showcased a lot of different people because I didn't know what was going to resonate most with viewers and even more so what was going to resonate most with me. You know, was I going to enjoy talking to someone about scaling a company into a bazillion dollar company, or would I like to talk to someone that's, you know, starting this amazing nonprofit helping, you know, um, homeless children all over the world. Like you just don't really know what is going to inspire you through the process. So I was very intentional about choosing um, 12 very different people from very different backgrounds. And what I found through all of it that I really loved the most was just the stories of, entrepreneurs who started something from nothing that gets me so fired up and people who have overcome, you know, all of these obstacles uh, to make their dreams happen. Cause that's really been my journey. I think Tim, it's been your journey. It's been all of our journey because so many people talk about all the successes, but they don't oftentimes talk about all the crap you have to go through in order to make it happen. And so I really wanted to focus on, you know, all of the, all of the really hard stuff. Um, and the things that they learned from it and how they made it. Cause that to me is far more inspiring than just hearing about someone's highlight reel. So it was really just finding really anyone. Um, Allie Webb is the perfect example. She's someone that Dry bar. I didn't have 
yes, I didn't have any connections to um, at all. I just sent a cold email, which is another lesson, like never be afraid to send an email because if you don't send it, the answer is going to be no anyway. So I just sent an email to our publicist and I was like, hey, this is who I am. And I'm, I've created this new series. At the time, we didn't even have distribution. Our website wasn't even up yet. And somehow, you know, she, we had put together a really nice um, kind of sizzle reel and package. And that's where it goes back to branding. Even when you don't have anything, I think at least presenting something that looks like it's something is really valuable. Um, even if I've got zero views. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, so she's just a perfect example of someone that, you know, she didn't come from a ton of money. She was got success very late in life. Um, she was a stay at home mom and she had a love of, of doing hair and really loved the styling part of it and used to, you know, give, she was giving like blowouts to all of her friends from her car. She had like a, a mobile blowout salon from, from her little like Honda. Um, and she just like really thought it could be bigger and she pitched it to her brother who's bald and knew nothing about hair. And he was like, you want to do what you want to start a salon where all you do is blow dry women's hair. Like, will they really do that? And she was like, yes. But what I love about her too, is that, you know, she started this company. I think it's now a hundred million dollar empire, but she knew what she was an expert at. And that even goes back to, to hosting. It was like, she claimed to be an expert in this space. I'm an expert at blow drying hair. She didn't try to know how to do the numbers or how to do the website branding. Like she found other people to bring on to her team that were good at that. And she always stayed in her own lane because she knew that that's what she loved and that's what she um, would succeed at. And it's a testament to, I think, how big Drybar has become because it's about a girl who really didn't give up and stayed in her lane and knew what she wanted to do and, and then brought on great people to help her. And I think her story is just so inspirational and those are the kind of people that I think for season two, we really want to find more of uh, anyone that's just um, successful. And then also, you know, giving back, there's so much beauty um, in people that have had massive success, but then give back even more. Um, that's what it's all about. So yeah, and that's I'll tell what you we what, hope to uh, bring. Allie and her team killed it on the branding. Don't you agree? So good. And, and maybe that's too why I love them so much because it's just like you walk in and it's, it's the whole experience and the whole idea of a dry bar. You go and each hairstyle is named after a drink and it's just a really cute environment. And yeah, they kill it on the branding for sure. Very nice. Very nice. I guess I, I'm interested to know, you know, from the way that you were just talking about choosing luminaries. Um, I, I feel like because of social media, a lot of what you see out there has become saturated with the uh, make a million dollar crowd, you know, just make a lot of money quick and fast. And, it, you know, it, and I think it's yeah. just become yeah. overdone. And it is nice that you don't just go after that crowd. It's that you're looking for people who, quote unquote, make a difference regardless of the dollar amount that's attached to it. Yes, we we definitely, you know, we definitely try to one of one of the other people that we feature, um, that's just amazing. Some of you out there may have um, heard a story, but his name is Sebastian Terry. And he's this kid from Australia who grew up with just not really having a lot of purpose and found out that his dear friend from high school suddenly passed away. And it, it really got him thinking about what his purpose was on this planet. And so he just 
in, in, in his pain of trying to recover from his friend's death, he just started writing out a list of a hundred things that he's always wanted to do. And it was sort of a bucket list of like, Oh, you know, skydive naked, marry a stranger, like, <laughs> you know, some of these like kind of ridiculous things, but there were some things on there that, you know, were really meaningful. And to try to make a long story short, he essentially, um, one of the items on his list was to help a stranger. And he realized that the minute he did that, he met this uh, gentleman who had reached out to him that was paralyzed and just this beautiful person and had always wanted to run a marathon and obviously lost the opportunity because he was in a wheelchair. So Sebastian said, well, I will push you the entire time. And so he, he pushed um, Mark, I believe his name was, um, in this marathon. And he just realized like, that was the greatest thing that he'd ever done. And that's what his purpose was. It's all about helping other people. So he started this whole movement. It's at a hundred things.com.au. And it's essentially a platform where people sign on to find other people that they can help. Um, whether that's just helping an elderly woman carry groceries for the day or, you know, building a house, uh, for the homeless, you know, even small acts of kindness, just do amazing things. And so he started this whole movement and he's just so inspiring. And one of the coolest guys, like he showed up to our interview with no shoes on. Cause I think that's his thing. He's just like, very, <laughs> like, <laughs> just very, um, one with nature and just an awesome guy. He now speaks all over the world. Um, Bullcast, you know, that social media viral Facebook oh, yeah. page just featured one of his speeches on there and it got like a bazillion views. So he's awesome. Yeah. So it's like focusing on, you know, focusing on things like that and people who have built, built companies, but are really purpose-driven organizations. It doesn't mean they have to be a nonprofit, but it's just, you know, I think about this all the time. It's like through this process of I'm a huge fan of Apple products. I've got iPhones, I've got Macs, I've got all this stuff. But then you hear that with all of the ridiculous profit they're making. I don't know if you had heard this and I totally have the facts wrong, but some of their factory workers in another country were like killing themselves because of the conditions. Yeah. And, and they pocketed, I think, like a trillion dollars. I think they've got in their bank account. Yes. apparently. It's just like, man, like that's not okay with me, but yet it's, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here looking, but yeah, I have an iPhone and it's like, I'm, I'm really trying to get more um, purposeful about saying like, and, and sometimes like some things, you know, you may not be able to research and you do your best intentions, you know, hoping that they're a really good company or a really good person to feature. Um, sometimes you don't have access to their whole story online, but yeah, we're, we're really trying to, to do our best in, in really spotlighting purpose-driven leaders and organizations who are doing some sort of good in the world. So, um, and I didn't get to ask you, is it on Facebook Watch already and, and we can see it? It is, yes. So okay. you can find it on Facebook Watch. It's under Project Luminary. Um, you can also find it on entrepreneur.com. Um, just search Project Luminary on their page. And then we also have it on our justluminate.com site as well. We have it. We have right. a video tab where you can check it out there. And hearing some of the stories, it's like I, I want to tune in and watch these right now. So I'll definitely be doing that. And for those of you who are uh, listening, Project Luminary on Facebook, watch again and on entrepreneur.com. And then how can they follow you on social media? I'm Kristen Aldridge on Twitter, Facebook, um, and LinkedIn. But someone took that on Instagram, which 
I get, I took the domain name, I took everything else. Then you so have to add the, the at Kristen real out there. Kristen Aldridge. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have, I have Kristen.Aldridge on Instagram. So, okay. so uh, one yeah. last question. Where do you see this going? I mean, what would you like, what, what's your dream scenario with Luminate? Ooh, oh my gosh, that's a big question. I mean, we were just happy to get the damn thing launched, to be honest, uh, two <laughs> months ago. Um, you know, honestly, I, I would love to be able to inspire more video series because I love, I found that I've loved creating my own content. Um, I love bringing storytelling and ideas to life. So I think um, being able to produce more video series, bring on sponsors. Uh, I'd love to be able to have Illuminate Live events all over the world where we bring together um, amazing, incredibly inspiring people to speak. Really, like people always say, like, oh, are you trying to get acquired? Are you trying to be like the next Elite Daily and get it sold for $50 million? And And no, honestly, we talked about this before we got on this podcast of if, if we're inspiring one person out there, then we've done our jobs because I know working on it has inspired me so much. Um, and all the content that our contributors are putting out is such a daily reminder for me um, in how I should be living my life and ridding myself of all the limiting beliefs. So yeah, I just, I just hope it inspires people and I'm open to wherever it goes from there. Well, it's super cool to hear your story. And I just got to tell you, listening to you, it feels like in many ways I was talking to the mirror at times, you know, hearing some of the thoughts that come out of your heads about TV hosting. Aww. And uh, <laughs> look, honestly, I've always been a big fan of yours in TV hosting, and I've always had tremendous respect for your talents and what you've done out there. And so I appreciate you taking the time to just kind of share this with everybody and also all your insights on, on hosting as a female to, in these days. Aw, thank you. Right back at you. Seriously, congrats on all your success. And I'm so glad that we got to connect on this conversation. And thank you. Seriously, it's an honor to be on your podcast. I really appreciate it. That is today's episode. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. You can do so on Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, the podcast app, Google Play, or just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And if you're involved in the pageant world and you're wondering what Life After the Crown will look like for you, I highly encourage you to download my free Life After the Crown starter guide. It's a quick read that will give you a great blueprint on how to get started planning now and not when pageant life is over. To get it, just go to timtialdo.com slash starter guide. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at timtialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Matthew 634. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Have a great week, everybody. Mm-hmm.